Blog Talk Radio. Sports Sports Monday, another great edition of sports in the week that's passed, and we'll get you caught up here on MyW Sports. Luis Sanchez, Erica Ayala, and we'll have Kyle Westcott joining us in just a few. We'll also have a special guest tonight. Uh, really excited for that. But EA, we had a, a phenomenal week in sports. The U.S. soccer uh, strike or, or uh, their fight for equal pay and equitable treatment, that comes to an end with a five-year deal with the U.S. Soccer Federation. USA Hockey defeats Canada in overtime for the World Championship. So much football action and plenty, plenty more sports. Um, EA, there's just there's so much to get to. Uh, what do you have on your end as well around the league? Yeah, so um, in addition to all the recapping that we'll be doing, we also have some things to look forward to, including the WNBA draft. Uh, But before we go into that, I do want to reflect a little. Uh, Dawn Staley, national champion, she has, among other accolades, she now has a street named after her in Columbia, South Carolina. She's throwing out first pitches. She's just living life right now. Uh, And then... We're also going to get into this is officially week one of the National Women's Soccer League. And so we have some matchups coming up, which leads us into uh, the introduction of our special guest. And uh, I'm going to try to keep it cool and not fangirl out too much. But our special guest hails from Mm -hmm. South Africa, the Rainbow Nation. Uh, She is a defender for, well, some might say England. But she actually plays for South Africa. She is a defender on that team and will be playing with the Houston Dash in the NWSL this season. She's the captain for the team, has over 140 caps, and I believe that's the most on the current roster. And we are, of course, speaking of Janine Van Wick. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So uh, we definitely want to talk to you about your your first season upcoming in the NWSL and, and a few other things about South Africa. And speaking of, first, the South African women's team has a very unique nickname, and uh, uh, it's Banyana Banyana. I think I said that right. So just tell us, first of all, what does That's that correct. mean? Oh, okay. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> You got it right. You're very, you're very one of very few that get it right. Um, <laughs> it is called Banyana Banyana. Um, it actually means girls um, or actually women that, that play soccer. So Banyana means woman. Um, and then we have our main national team called Bafana, which means men. So it's women and men. 
So that is our basically our nickname for our national team. Excellent. That's pretty straightforward. Um, and so speaking of Banyana Banyana, um, you know, some of the U.S. fans were able to see the team as they competed against the United States, and it was a 1-0 uh, scoreline. Uh, and a lot of people, Janine, were talking about your performance um, in that game in particular. But, um, but first, before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about growing up in South Africa. Which province are you from, and, and how did you get into soccer or football? Yeah. Well, I'm from, from Johannesburg um, in South Africa. Many people know about Johannesburg. Um, and I started playing at the age of six. And it was really difficult for me. It's not just any ordinary girl playing in a girls' league with all girls. Um, back home, when I started playing soccer, it was very difficult for me because we didn't really have girls playing soccer back then. Um, at that time, and I started playing with my cousin, um, with the boys, in the boys' league, from the age of six up to 14 years old, and I think that is actually what has made me the player I am today, because I'm really feisty, I'm really strong, um, and I'm, I'm quite fearless, and it's, you know, come with, with playing with boys for so long um, in, in early in my career. Excellent, and, you know, you talked about your struggles being able to play soccer growing up, but you have also, as your career has gone on, tried to impact that pipeline, if you will, for young girls growing up in South Africa today. So tell me some of the ways you're trying to impact the game back home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always, I always wanted to give back to the community as a, as a soccer player and also especially to girls. Um, I see so much talent in South Africa growing, but there's absolutely hardly any league um, that these girls could participate in, especially the younger ones. And um, therefore, I started at JVW um, School of Development as well as a as a club development um, to give these girls the opportunity to to play and you know work hard to to reach their dreams. Excellent, and and so I believe that you've helped. Um, to develop one of one of those leagues and one of those teams in South Africa, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that, and and how's that been going? How long have you been and been running that? Yeah. Well, the the whole um, development started in 2012, um, just before I headed to our very first Olympic Games. Um, I went into the school because that's, I believe that's where development starts at a very young age and um, to give these girls the opportunity to showcase their talent and to just to play and enjoy the game that I love so much. Um, and obviously wanted to just give back as a national team player and a national team captain. And um, it's, it's really grown enormously. I started off with only um, 29 schools teams in the area that I stayed in and at the moment we are close to 200 schools that are involved in just over four or five years. So it's growing enormously and there's so many more girls taking interest in the sport and the sport is growing, you know, slowly but surely in our country. And it's amazing to see so many girls participate in the sport that I love so much and I think, you know, in a few years' time, more of these girls will be able to to reach a more competitive level, and then eventually grow into being, you know, national leaders and and national players. 
and Janine, I mean, it's incredible because you've played all over the world um, and you've gotten to experience so many atmospheres and, and youth programs. So, you know, moving from South Africa to the United States to play in the NWSL, how did that move come about and how, how did that opportunity present itself? Well, for me, I've always been a player of, you know, wanting to reach my dreams, and it's always been one of my dreams to play in the NWSL. Um, I came over when I was 14 years old to visit my uncle in Tampa, Florida, and I obviously, you know, saw so many girls playing college football, and it was very fascinating for me to see so many girls play and participate in the sport. And, you know, I really always said that I want to see myself playing in the NWSL. And I think when I got to an age about 27, about two years ago, I, I thought that it's too late. I thought, uh, you know, it, I could just forget about playing, you know, in, in such a top league because of my age. And I was pretty sure that all these coaches look for young up-and-coming talent um, to feed into the team. And luckily for me... We came over to play the U.S. Um, last year in July uh, before we went to Rio Olympics. Um, and we came over to play the U.S. team. And I thought to myself, well, this is a good opportunity for me to showcase what I'm really about. And I could only give my best and see what comes from it. And, you know, if it does happen that I, that I get a contract over here, yeah, someone really looks at me and scouts then that would be that would be a dream come true. But if not, I know that I'll still give my best and I tried. And not long after that I got a call from Randy, um, our our coach at UC Dash and he was really interested in me and you know, that was me. I, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I, you know, not even words can describe how I felt at that moment and I told my family, I told my friends, and they were so excited for me. And it's just, at the moment, is a dream come true for me. I'm, I'm actually here living my dream, and I will try and contribute to, to the team and the club as much as I possibly can this upcoming season. That's, that, I mean, that's incredible. And, I mean, when you talk about the international talent that's come to the NWSL, what's your experience been like? Is, is there like a sort of excitement coming around to, to the start of the season on Saturday? Because there's so many players that you know and have been able to play against and play with. Yeah, I know there's, there's been a couple of players that I've you know, watched over the years, and especially my, my own teammates at Houston Dash. I've been following Houston Dash without even thinking that I would come to this team. It was just a team that I followed and, it, it's really strange that I followed them, but I, I actually never thought that I would play for them. Um, and, you know, the likes of, of Rachel Daly, Carly Lloyd, um, and a few others that are currently in the team, those are the players that I really looked up to, and now I'm playing alongside them. So it's a really amazing and fascinating feeling for me. Um, I got to play, you know, against Kristen Press, um, although I got to play against when we played the U.S., but we currently recently played them in the Portland preseason tournament. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to play against these players because they are, you know, regarded as one of the best players in the world um, or, you know, the best players in, in the world and the league um, in the United States. So for me, it's, you know, challenging, but um, I accept challenges that come all my um, directions because I think that it's, 
you know, with challenges, you, without challenges, you're not going to gain anything and will never make you stronger and get where you want to be at the end of the day. So um, I'm looking forward to the season and playing against all these top players and challenge myself to, you know, become a better player. And Jean, you had mentioned, sorry to, to be a little late here, but uh, Kyle joining you here. Um, you had mentioned, you know, coming to the NWSL and getting to play with the Houston Dash that you had seen, you know, for so long and get, getting to play with players uh, of such a high caliber. Uh, then last year, Carly Lloyd goes down with an injury for a good portion of the year. How did the team come together and still continue to have a very successful season last year? Well, I think with the group of players that we have at the moment, I mean, I've only been here for a month, and the, the, the group of players that we have at the moment um, are really talented. Um, you know, they're hard-working players, and they carry themselves as professionals, and it's it's good to be around with because um, back home in South Africa, where I come from, it's only really a few and a handful of players that really look at themselves as professionals, even though we don't have professional leagues. Um, in our country, and you know, there's only a few players that really work hard to towards their dreams and to believe in themselves. And over uh, yeah, it's it's very different because every single player that I'm playing with is talented. They work hard. They motivate. They encourage others. Um, and it's really amazing to see because it's something that I've I've dreamt of doing my whole life, and I've come here. And you know, these these teammates of mine are passionate about the game just as much as I am. So it's it's great to be to be in the same environment as and a team that's that have one common goal and that is to, you know, be the best and do the best that you can do. And so Janine now thinking, you know, there are a lot of your teammates on Banyana Banyana who have played in the States, mostly through the university or the college system. Um, but now breaking through to the NWSL um I think that, you know, your teammates have spoken out about how they see this as a great opportunity, not only for the national team, but for women's football in South Africa. Can you just talk a little bit about how you perceive um, your being in the United States and its impact that it will have on South Africa? Well, I always say that, you know, one player can always open up doors to, to many others in South Africa. And I feel that there's so much talent that's not being looked at in South Africa, and we might be ranked 52nd in the world, but that is because of a reason we don't get to play top international friendlies like we are supposed to. We play we play African countries that are ranked just as low as we are. Um, so, in order in order for us to grow as an international team, we need to play top top in teams, um, the likes of USA, Germany, France, England. Um, and then we will be able to, you know, the scouts will be and coaches around the world will be able to look at what we have as South Africans, uh, what talent we have, and I think we are very skillful players um, in in our country. And it's it's really a shame because these players don't, you know, get that opportunity to to get a look at them and showcase their talent to these kind of coaches around the world in professional leagues. Um, so for me being here, uh, you know, it's it's not that it's pressure on me, but I know that if I do well in this league and, you know, stand out, 
I will be able to open up doors to many other of my fellow South African teammates that deserve to be here as well. And I've been around here for a month or so, and not saying that these players aren't good here in the NWSL, but there's players in South Africa at the moment, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, that I've seen so much better talent than than what we have at the moment um, in in this league. And I've done some research, obviously, on the NWSL and and some of the the players that I'll be playing against and the teams that I'll be, be playing against. And I just feel that some of the te- some of my teammates in South Africa, you know, if they are being looked at properly in a proper manner, they could definitely fit into one of these top end teams, top professional teams in this in this in this league. So um, I will be the one that needs to open up doors for them. Um, but I always speak out um, because I know what talent they they have and what they can bring and offer to to the game. Um, so hopefully. You know, the coaches will go out there and have a look at, at South African players because I just feel that they have unfair opportunity for them not to be able to, to play international friendly for them to have a look at. All right. we It sounds like, you know, there's, there's a good amount of talent coming out of South Africa and, and you're talking what it sounds like, Janine, about exposure and opportunity. And so we kicked off the show by briefly highlighting two of the national teams here in the United States who have waged um, disputes with, with um, our federations here in the United States, and that's women's hockey and women's soccer. Um, but as I recall, you know, especially under the last coach, uh, Vera, South Africa has also gone back and forth with the Federation when it comes to opportunity for uh, girls and women in football. So can you talk to us a little bit about what have the, the most recent conversations in women's football really? So if that's the Ireland team, the United States team, Colombia, and South Africa, um, how has that inspired you personally and or your team um, to continue to to really, as you said, use your voice and use your talent to showcase the team, but also to to get the support that you need from your federation. Yes, most definitely. Uh, you know, one thing I need to say is that our federation have been supporting us. I mean, throughout the years, women's football in our in our country has grown and. They have tried to put leagues in place for us, and they are currently working to get a professional league for us for these kind of players, um, such as ourselves, to get paid. Because at the moment, we don't get paid for any league that we we play in, and no team um, in our country, club team, gets paid, um, which is a shame because there's so many girls with with so much talent, and all they can do is play football, for well, soccer, for for you know, the, the the love and passion of it. Um, you know, you can't really make a career out of it. So it's really inspiring for us to see that the track the life of US and Ireland and everyone stand stand together and speak up and, and voice out of, of the opportunities and federation that needs to back them because we feel that we we do the exact same thing as the men do, but we we don't get exposed as much as they do, we don't get paid as much as they do, we pay it at all for that matter. Um, and yes, South Africa and has South Africa hasn't done that. We haven't really, you know, spoken about you know fighting our association because we can see that it's slowly progressing. 
into the right direction. There has been, you know, promises made to us that we will have protection needs and things will fall into place. It's just a matter of time. So um, hopefully it will be happening in the next year or two for us, um, perhaps even Susan. Sooner that will be great. But if not, then obviously us as women will stand together and, and fight it just like all the other countries have been doing. Yes, thank you, Janine. And I think, you know, that's that's what we've been hearing from, the, from again, all of the women from all of those countries um, that that we mentioned earlier. So Lou, I think, has a, has a few more um, just quick points before we allow you to go, because we know that you uh, are offering your time for our show. Yeah, Janine, I just, I just wanted to thank you so much for your time. Um, we know you, your first game's coming up this weekend. Is, is there anything that you, you want to share with the fans uh, out there now that, that can get them to the game to motivate them to come out uh, and support the Houston Dash and support you as well? Yeah, well, you know, the, the, I think for us to have fans come out to our stadium, it's our opening match for the season. And with, with fans and supporters coming out in numbers, you know, we'll always only motivate um, us as players because we know there's so many people that back Houston Dash. And if they come out in numbers and support us, we'll just give us that extra bit of motivation um, and confidence to go out and get the three points. So, in, you know, this upcoming season, we're really working hard towards getting to the playoffs. We have a great team with a great spirit. Um, and if we continue to work hard and we continue to have support behind us, you know, we have no doubt that we will reach that stage. Well, again, Jenny, we really want to thank you for your time. Thank you uh, for promoting the game and everything you do for the game. Uh, and we hope you enjoy your time in Houston. We're looking forward to following you and the Houston Dash this season. Uh, and, th again, thank you for, for being so gracious with your time this afternoon. No problem. Thank you so much for the support. All right. We'll be watching. Bye, donkey. Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I mean, it's always so much fun to have an interview here, and it's just incredible. But I'll let you guys digest as uh, as I say goodbye to our guest. Yeah, I mean, you said right, right there, wow. We're hearing the exact same things that, that we have been talking about for, you know, a couple of years now of, of not being, you know, paid the same as the men, not getting the same. Media attention that the men get, but you know we're also hearing just how hard she fought to get where she is, and that you know she's reached her ultimate goal. She she wanted to play in the WSL. She wanted to be a leader for South Africa, and she's been able to do both. Yeah, I think, and the only only thing that I would add is that Janine is such a great pioneer, as many of the women that she even mentioned from the United States side of it. Um, she's continued to be a proponent and an advocate, as, as we heard, for girls and women's football in South Africa. And it sounds like, you know, in no small part uh, to her contributions and the Federation, as she said, really beginning to work with the players as well, that we might, uh, we might need to be on the lookout for, for some of the talent coming out of South Africa. So all the more reason that we hope that players like Janine and other players from South Africa can come on shows and p play and perform in all of the leagues throughout Europe, throughout the United States and get that exposure. Um, and, and again, get those opportunities to play at an elite 
professional level. Yeah, I, I I have to just jump on both of your bandwagons and say that I agree. Uh, that that that's just phenomenal. Uh, and, and yeah, I think I think that's what we really want to do here at MyW Sports is help promote these leagues, players who have that international background. Um, I know we we talked to Janine Weber. We've we've, we've highlighted a lot of international athletes here at MyW, and I think it, it it allows for other players and you know not only locally but internationally to you know build a community uh, of support. And that's what we're always talking about is getting fans in the seats. I, I loved her message, you know, support the team, come out and, and buy season tickets, you know, just come out and watch a game. Um, so th- those are always great to see and, and especially having the players on. So um, we have some more soccer to talk about. Uh, let's, you know, EA, you talked about it with Janine, the U S soccer contract has been done. The Federation and USA soccer players agreed to a five year deal Um were were you guys surprised? This came a week after USA Hockey made their deal. Um, so I, I guess surprise is not the word, but but did it come as like, wow, okay, we, it's done, you know? Because there wasn't really a lot of talks coming up to it. Well, I wasn't surprised. I was like, finally, this is uh, – <laughs> and let's remember that this is the collective bargaining agreement that <laughs> technically – the collective bargaining agreement that expired December 31, 2016. But we have to remember prior to that, they had been working really under kind of um, a memorandum of understanding, kind of like an outline because a, a, a proper CBA collective bargaining agreement, such as the one we see now was never put in place. So this is a long time coming Now, there's been a lot of speculation as to whether USA Hockey's deal and the way that they were able to really push for that deal, I think it was a span of 13 days and their social media blitz and really their their grassroots outreach to the younger players and the the players in the pipeline, did that impact and maybe did that put some some, uh, heat under the soles, the, the feet? souls, not necessarily the heart souls of U.S. soccer. Um, Who knows? Um, But we also have to remember that there are a few other caveats in there. The women's national team, the players, their union, they changed their representation. And so the tone changed around the time that they changed their representation. Um, And so those are just some things to put out there. And that stood out to me um, leading up to the deal. As far as the deal itself, I thought it was really interesting that things like maternity leave were discussed, um, not only for women birthing their own children, but also for women and families who are adopting. I thought that was a really interesting and important policy to put in there. I also think that the NWSL being incorporated to some extent into this five-year deal is really important. And what I really liked is the licensing agreement. So now the women through their union and or the NWSL Players Association that I think is still um, growing, they'll have the opportunity to sell swag, essentially. They'll have the licensing, which is going to be interesting because, you know, there's that that the good old argument we always hear that women are not quote unquote marketable and that they don't bring in revenue. And it seems like the women kind of want to take that into their own hands. And I think we'll see that there's a lot of marketability in the NWSL. I mean, we had Janine Zenwick on her, she herself has a great story and not to mention people like Kristen Press that she mentioned her teammate now in Carly Lloyd, and you could go on and on. 
I was going to jump on a point and I already forgot it. <laughs> but but I agree. I I think that the oh, oh I know what it was the um the media and the um, exposure of the women's game. And I I agree with you. Yeah, I thought that was a big piece of it when I read that part. And and we're seeing you know if if they can break through to the mainstream, if they can like they have now the NWSL games on uh, some of the network television channels, I think it's going to just grow uh, the, the viewership. And we used to play a basketball tournament this year. The, the viewership was, was way, way up this year. It was, it was huge for them. And when you put it on uh, a whether it's ESPN, whether hopefully it's going to work out for them being on uh, Bravo and, and A&E this year, um, you know, hopefully that'll just spark a little bit more interest, a little bit more viewership, and they'll be able to show that yes, we we actually can make this a viable option if if you just put it on on TV or put it on where people can find it. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's an important point, as EA said, and as you talked about too, Kyle, is the licensing. And and I want to jump on the NWSO point just because I think that's huge. This league is in its fifth year. They they have a, a TV agreement in place for for every Saturday this year. They're going to grow, um, and to have international players and you know especially U.S. soccer players who kind of set the precedent across you know globally across soccer. Um, you know, to have this deal at least get done, as you said, EA finalized, um, that that's a big that's a big win, and I think this just sets the stage um, for for plenty more women in leagues out there to kind of you know get on the bandwagon and say, hey, we can strike deals, we can we can get licensing agreements, we can do stuff like that. One of one of the one of the conversations I have with a good friend of mine is why, you know, why are certain games on on EA Sports, um, you know, why do they why do they allow for women to be um, in the game while other games don't. So like a, a FIFA, there's no NWSL in FIFA. Uh, while they're in, while in, in NHL, you can create a women's player. So um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. And with the NWSL, I think that, that, that foundation to grow that league, to make it uh, a sustainable league in a place where international and local or national talent want to play is, is a huge part of it. Um, USA was actually in action this weekend. They played or they, this week. They played Russia twice. Uh, defeating Russia 4-0 and then 5-1. to EA, you know, this team is fun to watch, but I'm also scared sometimes to watch them, if that makes sense. And I think that just goes back to the conversations that we've been having, that this is still a growing team. Um, they haven't played together very much um, with the formations that we're seeing. Um, Jill said, you know, those days are gone of the – uh, of the Lilies and the Mia Hams and the Rampones that are going to, you know, get upwards of 300 caps. You know, you saw some of that happening with Krieger, I think was at 98 by the Russia game or maybe before that. Um, and Kelly O'Hara, I think is at around 93. Um, but those are, those are the higher end. Those are the veterans. So I think we're, we're still, seeing some of that play out. I think Jill is still playing around with, um, you know, with what she wants to see out there. So I think it's only natural that that happens. I think it's only, you know, scary because we've, we've basically had the same U S national team and that team has been very successful, but as players, like I mentioned, like Rampone, um, like Heather O'Reilly retire 
And then also we have to remember we don't have Julie Johnston, uh, who just got married. Um, and so she's enjoying her time um, with her husband. Uh, so, so there's still some pieces that are not quite there. They haven't meshed. And there are other pieces, important pieces, that we're going to see incorporated back into the team. And speaking of those pieces, you, you saw Crystal Dunn score four goals this weekend. Allie Long add three, and then Rose Lavelle, she uh, a Boston breaker for this season in the NWSL, added another plus an own goal. Uh, the nine goals for, for the weekend or for the week here in the U.S. Uh, soccer games. Kyle, when you look at what they've been able to do, I mean, they, they lost the She, she Believes Cup. Um, they lost that tough match to England, a 1-0 game. They, they ended up falling to France 3-0. Does this kind of help them get in the right direction? Is this kind of uh, a good step forward? I'm not really sure. I mean, uh, Janine said it, that you have to play the best competition to get better. I don't know that a a Russia sweep is is something that, you know, is going to really set them up for dominance in in the future. Um, You know, I think it's a good win. I think it's a win rolling again. Um, But I, I don't. I wouldn't put this as a monumental, like, okay, watch out, here comes the U.S. Okay, fair enough. So let's look forward to some of the players who won't be playing on the national team. Uh, well, they will be at some points, but during the NWSL season, which starts on Saturday, again, mark your calendars. All the action begins on Saturday, one game on Sunday. Um, a lot to get to with these games, but when you're looking into the season, is there a team, EA, that – that I, I know you're gonna you're gonna talk about Sky Blue and I want you to, but besides Sky Blue, is there a team that that you're really like? Wow, this is this is the one that I think I want to watch besides my hometown team. <laughs> um, well, I think I haven't been able to look at all of the rosters, um, so I'll answer this question in in a, in this way. I think a lot of the teams this year have gone through a a transition very similar to what we were talking about with the national team. So FCKC, I think, is an example of a team that's getting a lot back or the expectation with Alex um, Rodriguez coming back. I always, uh, you know, I always – uh, hesitate to say that because I'm, I'm in my baseball head now, and I'm like, but Alex Rodriguez doesn't play soccer. But A Rod, the the A Rod, um, you know, uh, she's coming back. Um, we have also Sydney Larue, who's who's supposed to be back, uh, I believe, on on that FCKC roster. So that's the team that struggled last year that I, I really want to take a look at and and see when they bring those pieces back. What, what that's going to look – or I said Alex Rodriguez, Amy Rodriguez, thank you, excuse me. I'm all over the place today. Uh, Amy Rodriguez, not Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod uh, in soccer. Um, I'm excited to see what that's going to be. Um, another team, though, I'm not sure what Boston is going to bring to the table. I think there's still a question mark for me. Uh, I think Sky Blue FC is more or less – in the same position that they were last year. They're bringing in a lot of top-tier talent from the college uh, system, but is that going to play out for them? Are they going to stay healthy? So I kind of think I'm not sure if they've gained just yet. I think we kind of have to see that play out. So those are the teams off the top of my head that I'm really looking at. The only one that I'd add in there is also Seattle post-Hope Solo. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to admit, EA, I, I, you know, I thought you would be a little more higher on Sky Blue because I am probably just in love with Sky Blue this year. Um, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be really great, and for the reasons you mentioned, because they have a lot of good uh, collegiate uh, collegiate talent, and I think that could that could play dividends with some of the players that they already have there. Um, but Kyle, let's let's swing it over to you. Is there is there a team? Uh, we'll talk about the Breakers in a second. Is there a team that you're excited to watch this season or a team that you're like, hey, they can make a run? Well, I, I thought last year that the Portland Thorns were making huge strides. And when you think about the players that either uh, are, are going elsewhere for a little while or that retired or have left uh, their clubs, I, I look at this Portland Thorns team and I say they really didn't lose much at all. And, you know, the strikers specifically with, with Heath and, and Dean and Sinclair are all back. And, and I think that they're going to be a strong team this year. And, and like I said, with the other teams losing some players, I think it's just going to show that the Thorns are an even stronger team. And I have to agree with EA, Kyle. I think the Breakers are still a question mark. I'm excited to watch them. Um, but I still think, you know, they could, they could really be bad or they can, you know, be in playoff contention until the end. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, also Whitney Engen deciding not to come back. I yeah. think that she's a huge staple. I know that if you look at the record on paper, but if you were watching those Breakers games last season, you know, Whitney Engen was doing everything that she could to really keep that team stable uh, when they were riding through choppy waters. So um, I think it's also, we, we need to see who's going to step up on that team. We talked about international players. So we have to mention some of the players that um, are not going to be starting the NWSL season. Um or I should say, you know, they hopefully will come back in the middle of the NWSL season. That's Carly Lloyd, we mentioned, who will be with the Houston Dash, uh, as far as we know. Alex uh, Morgan, also for the Orlando Pride. She's in Lyon. Now, I don't think that Crystal Dunn has made a determination if she will play for the Washington Spirit, and I haven't looked at, at that. Uh, well, she wouldn't be on the the initial season roster um, as she is um, overseas as well. But fellas, uh, speaking of Alex Morgan and the Orlando pride, uh, I hear that there might be a Brazilian uh, coming in get down. You know anything about that? Well, yeah. I yeah, did I, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. I did hear that. And I am very excited for that. I think that, uh, when we think about the loss of, of Morgan and um, and what that's going to do to the, the pride, you know, they, they were getting so much hype at the end of last year. And now for, for them to, to be able to add Marta, I think it's just such a huge addition. And when, and when uh, Morgan does come back, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm shocked that, that we haven't mentioned the pride yet in who we're watching this year. Yeah, and I think some of their draft picks. Um, I'm going to mess up her name, but I believe it's Obugagu from I think she was at USC earlier this year. Um, that she was a phenomenal player. She's from London, um, but she's going to be playing on this. She's a forward on this roster. And, and as you mentioned, you know, I think last year 
Um, everybody had high hopes for for the Pride because of their signings. Ali Krager was on this team, um, and you know Ashlyn Harris was supposed to be the the back, you know, the, the next big thing behind Hope Solo. So I think She's if the they best can play as a team, isn't she? If if they can play as a team, I think they could be a really good uh, a really good uh, football club this season. Yeah, I think I think they might be a, a question mark for me. I think they ha- they do have the potential to really one up themselves from their first season uh, in the league. And then speaking of, this is not a new team. Well, excuse me, it is a new team, but it's not a new team. If you feel me. So we know that may we, may the champions, the reigning champions. Oh dear. The reigning champions, Western New York Splash, they uh, are now defunct and have been absorbed by North Carolina. Come on and raise up. And that's the courage <laughs> everybody. They unveiled their new kits. Um, and so while, the, again, the team is new to the league, that being the North Carolina Courage, the players, the team, on the field is not necessarily new and they're the, uh, the reigning champions. These are women. So we have Sammy Mewis, we have McDonald's, you know, these are, uh, I believe Lynn Williams is still with the courage. Um, so these are women who, who showed that they can put on a show. I mean, it, was that not entertaining the final uh, of the NWSL last season? Yeah. I still think it's one of the best endings to a game by far this season. Um, I think it's it's the best championship ending for sure. Kyle's got crickets, so that's okay yeah, too, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I thought about it, and obviously, you know, they were a young team last year that that we did say, you know, came out of nowhere and, and really showed that they, they deserve to be the champions. I just don't know if they can do it two years in a row because they, they really came from nowhere and and – really took the league by storm last year with, with the power that they had and the goals that they, they got from McDonald and Williams. And, and again, I think that teams are going to focus on them a little bit more this year and, and maybe shut them down more. I don't know. Maybe they can't. Maybe they can't be stopped. Yeah. I mean, we'll yeah. be, and, and we, we uh, briefly mentioned the rain and I forget who it was uh, on our, on our last, uh, on the show last year who, uh, who made a little prophecy about what the rain would do. But again, we're in a post-Hope Solo era, at least as far as we know for now. Uh, what do we think is going to go down with Seattle? I, I, well, I, I probably – sorry, I have to admit that was me. I think I said Seattle was going to make it to the finals. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry, <laughs> soccer fans. I let you down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're you just going to make it awkward, Kyle? Hey, hey, he's going to let you hang on that. So much. I know. He just, he just put me on a cliff and just held me over. Just like, here, nope. you're going to drop. Just Remember that. Remember that. Yeah. Oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's just tough when you lose uh, you know, a goaltender like Hope Solo and you don't have the best goaltender in the world in, in Ashlyn Harris. So um, I, I just think that it's going to be tough for the rain. Well, we saw it last year after after Solo left. We saw the the drop in play, and and it was just difficult for them to keep up anymore without the the dominance that they had in goaltending. But uh, I mean, I think that they're a solid team. Uh, they're just 
I just think that there's other teams that have more around uh, around team. That doesn't make sense at all. I think I get where where you're going with that. You know, they <laughs> they, still, they need to need out some of those dents yeah. in their team as if it were the Play-Doh. You know, they need to kind of smooth that over a little. Um, I, I I I I was picking up what you're throwing down there, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Along with the shade. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so let's finish up our soccer talk and let's move from one international team to the other national team, the U.S. Uh, hockey team. They just went into the semifinals and demolished Germany 11-0. Um, to zero. Now, I'll just say that for all the people who just turned their ears to 11-0. to zero, They beat Germany in the semifinals. And then they go on to play Canada in the championship, and they defeat Canada in a 3-2 overtime victory. Um, EA, I mean, Casey Bellamy. I, I, oh, oh it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. Uh, you know, she, she was a woman on a mission, um, and that's even before she hit the ice. Hello. Uh, but anyway, uh, talking about shade throwing, I'll, I'll try to keep it to a minimum. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you have a veteran who comes in, gold medal game, arch rival, you know, sharing a continent that is North America. And, and here they are again in the gold medal match, two very different trajectories throughout the tournament. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about Canada, Um, but just to see the veteran presence of, of Casey Bellamy, particularly in that gold medal match, um, be able to lead the United States to, is it the fourth consecutive now gold medal in the world, in the world championship, championship. Yep. which is amazing right there on uh, home ice, uh, not home soil, but home ice. And, and I thought it was great. And you know what I really enjoyed, whether it was that first game and I think it was uh, Hillary Knight, I think it was Knighter who scored that first goal in the first game um, to Casey Bellamy and some of the other ladies in between that scored. I mean, I can't run through everyone in an 11 nothing game, all right? I, you know, but um, just the excitement that these women um, exhibited. And I think that does go back to there was a time when they weren't sure that they were going to be on the ice. And uh, they got the deal done. They got the job done. And um, 2018, I think they're, uh, they're running full steam ahead. Yeah, I, I'm excited to watch this team. My uh, my only concern is, as you kind of alluded to, EA, is, is what's going on with Canada. Before we get to that, Kyle, this USA national team, you know, right before the world championship started, they got this deal done. You know, they, they held out. They told USA hockey that this is what's going to happen, and if it's not going to happen, then nobody's going to play for USA. And that happened. They, they, were, they were solid on their word. Now they go on the ice and back it up with an incredible performance in the semifinals, an even better performance in the finals. You have so many players to talk about. What were your thoughts of just a specific player, this team, um, the goaltending? I know you're a big goalie guy. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a case of th- there was a lot of emotion heading into this. Um, and they rode that emotion for this tournament. And you saw just great performances. You mentioned Casey Bellamy. I mean, Decker time and time and again was in the right position or made the right play um, to help the U.S. either score the goal or assist on the goal. 
Um, you know, and when we talk about goaltending, yeah, I mean, the goaltending was phenomenal. And, and if, if we're going to ask what's wrong with Canada, I have to ask, why do we go back to, to Abydos if we have players like Mashmeyer, who we are looking towards for the future, and Jean-Vierre Lacasse sitting on the bench? Give them a shot. You know, I, I think that they, they have been playing in the, the women's game all year. They have been, uh, you know, working at it all year. Abydos was playing in, in the men's league and, and wasn't getting a ton of action uh, in that league. And then, you know, you still stick with her. And I get it. She's She is a phenomenal goalie. Uh, I think maybe mix it up a little if, if, if I'm, if I'm the coach. And, and go ahead, Lou. No, I was just going to swing it right over to you, uh, EA, on on your thoughts on that. Great minds, great minds. You know, I think if, if you want to take that argument, I think the, the thing that Zabados could have done better, uh, for hockey Canada in this tournament is if she simultaneously, saved all the pucks that she saved, then whipped out a skater stick and played defense for Hockey Canada. I disagree with you on this one, Kyle. I think Zabados had a great tournament. I think that she showed why she is an elite goalie. She lost to the United States twice. But the United States was buzzing on all cylinders, and Canada wasn't. We cannot earnestly say that Canada was buzzing. I think we talked about it on another show. Um, There are some pieces that are still being put together, some young talent coming in. But, um, I mean, I didn't see Zabados making a lot of mistakes. That last goal by Hillary Knight, it was filthy. It was absolutely absolutely filthy. You know, and think about some of those saves that she was able – I mean, she shut down Kessel in that gold medal match at least twice. And those were blatant, like, robberies. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that Zabados did what she could do. You know, you're not going to save them all. But you have to, you know, that's when, as a team, you have to find a way to get the offense going. And I think, you know, we're always talking about Marie-Philippe Poulain. And we didn't, you know, put the MPP out there very much this tournament. So, you know, I don't know what that's about. It's not for her lack of trying to, to make things happen. I think she was, you know, there were, there were moments where she was stripping the United States, completely stealing the puck and doing what she could do. But Hensley had a great tournament. Um, the, rookies, the rookies for USA had a great tournament. So I don't think you can put this on Zabados. I think there were a few other things. Um, and, but I, I do hear what you're saying. Um, you know, You've got Lacasse and Mashmeyer on the bench, um, but you know Mashmeyer had her shot last last year, and and it was the same result for Hockey Canada. So I don't know that that that's where I would point immediately um, to where the trouble was for Hockey Canada. Um, I agree. Yeah. I just mentioned that because Lou brought up goalkeeping. I mean, clearly when you look at this this offense on the Canadian uh, roster, it. it how they didn't score how they only scored two goals in in two games against the US and how they were weren't able to outscore uh Finland as well. Yeah and you know I, w- I want to chime in a little bit here cuz I think you guys are talking about everything but the issue here 
and I think that's the defense. No top ten scores. Oh, excuse me, one top ten score uh, on defense this this tournament in the women's world championships. Um, that's not Canada like. That's not Hockey Canada. Um, that they've always been defensively sound against USA and and even against other teams. Uh, Finland won their first game against Canada, and that was Canada's first loss in world championship play to any opponent besides the USA. So that's saying something, mm-hmm. that these other teams are growing, but also Canada, there's something wrong there. Um, because if they can compete with the USA in one goal or two goal games um, and, and then lose, you know, what most people would say is, is a pretty shocking game to Finland, um, you know, that's saying something. So I think it's, it's, it's about the defense here. Kyle, we t- I think we talked about it last year. There's a lot of youth on this defense. Um, and, and, again, I don't want to take anything away from Finland. I think Finland played an incredible tournament. I think they were motivated. I think they're talented. I think they've grown a lot as a program. Um, but I just think that that's what's wrong with Canada. I think that their defense, they're, they're missing something on defense, whether it's leadership, whether it's a, a true score. You saw Megan Keller and Callie Flanagan and other defenders for USA pushing up you know, playing offensive defensive roles, while with Canada they were they were pl- playing true defensive roles. So I think that's at least my take from the, the championships this past week. I think that I think you hit it right on. Is that it, they are a very young defensive core. I mean, you have players that sure they've been in the system, sure they've played teams, sure they've they've been around. But when you're talking about at the World Women's, you're talking about the best of the best of the best, you have players like Fortino and and Fast who are, what, 22, 23 each? I mean, they're, they're a young group that's going to get better. But for this tournament, I think you're right. I think maybe you've got to him there. When you look on the other side, you have Casey Bellamy, who's a, a veteran, and, and she showed, you know, what, what the experience does for you in a tournament like this. Yeah, I think those are all things that we have to to discuss. I, I guess if you want to say perhaps the saving grace to the 2017 World Championships is that the Olympics is the opportunity to maybe, you know, get some, some uh, revenge and vindicate Hockey Canada and, and what they're putting out there. They have some time to tinker, but not much. Um, also... I just noticed how bothered MPP was after this loss. Um, it seemed like she took it extremely personal. And, and I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on exactly why she was so emotional. I mean, okay, yeah, you lose a gold medal game, like I guess, traumatic. But, I mean, kidding aside, I, I just, I don't know. I, I felt that this one hurt a little bit more for her. And I hope that's not a matter of, being beaten down. I mean, you got to remember, this isn't just the one that she lost. This is now, you know, playing head to head against the U.S. The really five times that mm. they lost. So it's tough. I I I see where she is. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, and I I think I think I noticed that too, EA. Um, and it was shocking a little bit. You know, I was like, whoa, Pulen's crying. I don't think I've ever seen her cry. Um, so it was, you, you know, it was heartbreaking. I was, I was yeah. heartbroken. I was like, yeah, oh no. Yeah, like, <laughs> and it wasn't just her. I, I, can't, I couldn't see the number, the names on the back, um, and, and I can't just tell you off the top of my head who they were. But I, there were other players crying. This meant a lot to them. Even uh, Sabado, she was crying. Um, 
this meant a lot for Canada to try to get in the right direction for the Olympics. And, and as you mentioned, Kyle, this was a consecutive loss. This was another loss upon another loss in world championship play. Um, so I think that that also plays a big role on it. Um, and, and, you know, I think these two are rivals. You know, it means a lot to all of them when they play against each other. They're friends sometimes, you know, off the ice. But, but when it comes to on the ice, you know, have at it. Yeah, I just – I think that it's, like you said, it. this is a player that has won at every level and has been the best of the best at every level for so long. And I think she's just getting beaten down emotionally right now. That they're not the best right now, and, and they haven't been for for going on four years now. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll have the Olympics coming up to prove who's the best for the next four years, because so they have bragging rights for the next four years. But we'll have world championship coverage right here on MyW Sports. So Can stay just, tuned. I'm real, yeah, go ahead, yeah. real quick. I, I need to, like, totally geek out on this. And uh, I'm just going to say it now because I interrupted the, the show. But, you know, it looks like USA Hockey or uh, the women's national team is looking to do the equivalent of a World Cup Olympics. We know that USA Soccer, U.S. Soccer, was unable to do that. Just putting that narrative out there, it's something to watch for. Are they going to go gold in the world and then gold in the Olympics to be continued? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so we finish up our hockey talk. We had to throw it in there to kind of disrupt our football to football. But, you know, I just figured we had to get it in the show. So there it goes. Uh, WFA football, Kyle, we had uh, an incredible amount of games going on. I know you had some that you kept a a close eye on. Yeah, I know you had a special interest in one of these games. So, Kyle, tell us what happened in WFA football this past weekend. This was a a crazy week. I mean, we saw the the first appearance of the Boston Renegades and uh, the Philadelphia Phantoms 41-6. Uh, we got to see what we had kind of been waiting for here on the East Coast. The the DC Divas taking on the New York Sharks, and and what a treat that was. And a, unfortunately for for the New York Sharks, the Divas were able to pull it out, twenty one to eighteen. Uh, but I mean, just a, a great back and forth game that I think you know the Sharks should hold their head up high and and know that they just took uh, you know the two time defending champs right to the to the final horn uh, in that. Game. Uh, we had had highlighted uh, the MyW Sports game of the week of the Pittsburgh Passion and the Baltimore Nighthawks, a, a former IWFL uh, matchup now uh, Unfortunately, the, the Pittsburgh Passion were able to, to destroy the Baltimore Hawks, Nighthawks, 65 to 17. A couple of really surprising games down south and out west. Uh, down south. The Tampa Bay Inferno held on barely with a 24-21 win over the Miami Fury. Uh, the Tampa Bay Inferno had a great season last season, uh, and were still looking pretty good in, in the lower tiers, but uh, the Fury gave them just a heck of a game there. Uh, also down in, in Texas, the Austin Outlaws beat the Acadia. I always get this one wrong. I'm sorry. Acadiana Zydeco, uh, 46-42. The Zydeco were... Uh, also in a lower tier, had a great season last year in the lower tiers, uh, but uh, just a, a tough loss here against the Austin Outlaws. And in our last game out west, uh, a shocking one here, um, the Portland Shock 
took the regular season undefeated. Um, and unfortunately, uh, they lost already this year now to the Seattle Majestics. Seattle had a, a pretty good season last year as well. And this is a little bit of redemption for the Majestics with the 24-21 win out west. Yeah, really, really good game there. Uh, and especially that, that Majestic Shockwave game. I think a lot of people were interested in that. It was a live stream. Uh, so so props to, to those two programs for putting that together. Uh, EA, I want to bring you in here. The New York Sharks, they played in the IWFL for years, um, one of the best programs in the country. This franchise just lost a game by three points against the two-time WFA champions. Um, and a lot of people were saying, you know, we saw it last year with Pittsburgh. I was really high on Pittsburgh coming over from the IWFL to the WFA, but and then you saw the competition. Is this saying something about the New York Sharks? Are they going to be a team that people should watch out for early and often here in this league? I think what we're seeing is, and again, you know, it seems like it's kind of a narrative that, that we're keeping consistent on the show. One is that it's early. Um, two, you know, the Sharks are moving um, and, and playing different competition. And they, they also have some pieces that they brought in to, to the team. I think what has remained consistent is, as hockey players would say, the compete level. Um, and I think that we're seeing the Sharks still want to play you know, their style of uh, football, I think we're, and it, again, it's still early. I think they're not seeing, uh, or we're not seeing early on, um, maybe the, the dominance, definitely not seeing the dominance that we saw from last season. But I think that's a good thing. I think, you know, perhaps this is an opportunity for the Sharks to be able to really take it up another notch. And, you know, we have talked to Colette um you know, uh, to the point of exhaustion about really wanting to get the Sharks over that hump and to, to really see a, a playoff run all the way through. And I think when you, again, as Janine Zenwick said on our show earlier, if you want to be the best, you got to play the best. I mean, uh, that's not exactly what she said, but along those lines, you know, that is not an accurate quote. Uh, don't quote me on that quote. Um, but the, the sentiment being that, you know, in order to continue to elevate your game, you have to be playing at a high level. And so you mentioned that the DC Divas, that's a really good litmus test early on in the season, and we'll see how it plays out. Absolutely. And Kyle, I want to bring it back to you. Um, New York, I believe, is a Tier 2 team coming to the WFA this season. I think they got that wrong. Well, I think that it's just with them coming over just this year, I think it gives them the opportunity uh, when they head into the playoffs to to face, you know, other teams that are uh, either smaller or maybe less experienced. Um, I, I don't think that that's something that if they um, prove themselves worthy, that it'll stay long. I think that, I mean, that can change year to year, um, but they have to make a determination on, um, in the playoffs, who's going to play who. And, and usually, like I said, that's based upon, um, you know, size of teams or, um, you know, the, the length that they've been in the league. So I, I don't think it's a horrible thing this year. I think it'll give them an opportunity to make a great run in the playoffs as well. Absolutely. I think that's, I think New York's going to be a really interesting team to watch this season in the WSA um, and, and a lot of great action going on this upcoming weekend, right, Kyle? 
Yeah, and again, you know, we we look at every week, you know, when you have 60, 60 plus teams, every week there's going to be great matches. And once again, we get to see the New York Sharks again taking on the Montreal Blitz this weekend. Um, again, a former IWFL matchup. We'll see how the transition works now for Montreal. And I just saw that the Sharks were able to hold suit uh, when they moved over the WFA. Um, I think also, uh, you know, again, we, we just saw Acadiana lose to Austin. They're going to take on the Houston Power this week, and hopefully they can bounce back uh, from that loss. And, and the Minnesota Machine won their battle of the Minnesota teams this past weekend, and now they have to head out high blaze and, and take them um, as well. The Mile High Blaze uh, last year uh, had a up and down season, but but you know they're they're hopefully going to be a little better this year. So that should be another good matchup out west. Absolutely, a lot of great uh, great scores to, or excuse me, great great matchups to watch for this upcoming weekend. Uh, Cal, I had some action on my end too. I had the USWSL, which is uh, getting underway this year with some more new teams. They're up to fifteen, uh, and as always, the IWSL. Before I do that, Cal. Um, we do have power rankings for the WSA, so people go check them out, right? They go visit MyW Sports and get to learn about these teams. Uh, go pub yourself, Kyle. Come on, tell people to go view your article. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you know, the, one of the big things about the WFA, the USWFL, the IWFL, there are so many teams out there, and, and it is tough to follow all of them. Uh, but, again, if you have a team in your area, go check out a game. Um, check out our, our MyW Sports weekly wrap-up of the WFA and the of the top 10. Um, the top 10 are, are based solely on my opinion, so uh, they mean absolutely nothing. But, but in the same respect, it's a good barometer of the teams that, that we're looking at as teams uh, in the WFA and the teams that are, are going out and proving week to week that they're the best. So, I mean, we're going to clearly see a, a big jump for the New York Sharks, even though they did lose this week. Um, we may see the dropout of the Portland Shockwave, who uh, we expected to have a little better season this year. So go check it out. Uh, it, it'll come out uh, probably every Thursday. Um, and uh, it, let us know our, your thoughts on it as well. There you go. Absolutely. So go check out the WSA Power Rankings and Recaps on Thursdays with Kyle on MyWSports.com. You can also get them on social media. Uh, so I had the USWSL and the IWSL this season. Two games to start the US, uh, WSL. We'll get you those scores right now. The Washington Prodigy defeated the West Virginia Wildfire. I love these football names, Kyle. We'll talk about that in a second. But these names are just so cool. Uh, the Washington Prodigy, the West Virginia Wildfire. So 67 to nothing. Prodigy, um, IWSL team that that's moved uh, to this new league, and they've made quite the statement. And the second and only game, uh, the final game, was the Tri Cities Thunder thirty and the Tennessee Diamondbacks six. So again, you can follow the USWSL scores on MyW Sports uh, on Twitter on Saturdays. Just give us, you know, give us a shout sometime. But Kyle, let's go to the IWSL. We had our IWSL power rankings come out last week. Uh, a lot of good teams didn't really play in the first two weeks. Now we have a full season slate of five games. Um, we'll give you the scores. The Austin Yellow Jackets defeat the Carolina Queens 50-6. to The Sacramento Sirens defeat the Nevada Storm 49-0. to 
the North County Stars pull off a big win against the Carson Bobcats, 13-6, to and the Tulsa Threat defeat the San Antonio Regulators, 39-20. to uh, The last game I did not mention was the Utah Falcons taking on the Phoenix Phantoms. That was defending champion Utah, 57, Phoenix, 0. So, Kyle, there's a lot uh, of different in, in our two leagues. I think you have over 60-something teams. I have about 15. Um, so, so a little more, a little more manageable. And I mean, I was able to, to keep up with the, the Twitter handles and, and some of the Facebook feeds this weekend. Um, for the most part, I think the North County stars, uh, and Carson Bobcats, we actually had that as our might of use for team of the week on the IWFL power rankings. Um, this was it, you know, every other game was a blowout. So when you talk about Carson who played in that, uh, championship game against Utah, you know, North County is a team that was in the in the playoff hunt, but but kind of lost to Carson a lot last year. Is this kind of a, a statement win for North County saying, hey, you know, we're here to compete this year? Absolutely. I mean, I I think the Utah Falcons are already showing that they're they're the dominant team here, and and the question is who's going to be the team that's going to be facing them in the championship, or who's going to be able to knock them off? And I think. Uh, like you said, a, a game like this where you can beat the bo- the Bobcats, who had a great season last season, um, you know, I think it's a good direction for the North County Stars. All right, so I think I think so too. I think this is a big win for them. I think Carson's still going to be a competitive team and might uh, make that playoff push to to try to take away the championship from Utah. But it's a big win for North County. We have some big games coming up this weekend as well. Um, the biggest one I think we'll probably talk about on Wednesday, so I won't tell you specifically, but here are the four matchups. The Austin Yellow Jackets taking on the Houston Energy, the Sacramento Sirens going on to Utah to play the Falcons, the Phoenix Phantoms taking on the Nevada Storm, and closing it out are the South Lady, excuse me, I always do this, South Texas Lady Crushers uh, taking on the San Antonio Regulators. I think I spelled it. Every time I type it out, I do. I forget the Texas part. It's it's weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that that kind of wraps up our folks IWSL power rankings on Wednesdays on MyWSports.com. All right, let's bring EA back in here. We have some WNBA news. Actually, MyW Sports got some phenomenal news today. We'll be at the WNBA draft. I was going to say championship. The WNBA draft coming up on Thursday. So follow us on social media, Snapchat, Periscope, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, we'll give you all the live coverage. Um, but EA – the WNBA draft last year it was a phenomenal event. This year it's in a new venue. A lot, a lot of stars um, that people are looking at. You know, we talk about Elena Coates, talk about Kayla Davis, who had a great NCAA tournament. Obviously, Kelsey Plum is one of the best players uh, to ever play the game. So, what are your thoughts coming into Thursday? Well, I, it, I think um, with Kayla Davis and. Um, and, and Alicia Gray coming out of um, South Carolina, I think most unexpectedly, um, at least according to Don Staley, she wasn't even sure they would come out. I think that's mixed up what we might see at the top. So we have uh, San Antonio Stars, and then we have um, the Sky and the Wings also um, up there. Uh, I don't think there are many people that expect anyone but Kelsey Plum to be the first overall draft pick. And I think that's probably for good reason. You know, you're going to get someone that can score. Um, But let's, I think it's important to kind of look at these teams that are going to have the first pick. So 
San Antonio, you know, they, they didn't have the season that they probably wanted to have. They are in a coaching change. So Vicki Johnson, former New York Liberty, is going to be at the helm in in uh, Texas. Don't forget Texas, Lou. Um, and so, um, you know, I think if if I were to assume, you know, Vicki Johnson was the kind of player she can score, obviously. So maybe she wants someone who she knows can put up buku points. Kelsey Plum is definitely that person. But maybe just looking at San Antonio, maybe they need some versatile size and speed. Could that be a Kayla Davis? Could that be an Erica McCall? I mean, I, I think that um, I think Shatori Walker Kimbrough also is, is a player that you might want to look at. And I think the same thing goes for Chicago. Obviously, we know that EBD is no longer um, with Chicago. And so are they going to be looking for someone to really fill in that role that she played? Someone with size, someone that can shoot from the perimeter, someone that can make things happen down low. Um, And then Dallas, I think, kind of was knocking on the door but never could really break through. I think we talked a lot about how they just had an up-and-down season, a little inconsistent. Um, I think all the teams were banged up, but I think, you know, Dallas, um, didn't wasn't able to recover from some of those things uh, like other WNBA teams. So I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot going in, and those are just some of my immediate thoughts. Absolutely. And, Kyle, I'll swing it over to you. Uh, Dallas has three picks in the top ten. I mean, talk about a good opportunity to build. This is a really good draft class. Um, what are your thoughts about this upcoming draft, and who are some players that you are saying, hey, you better take them? Well, I, I agree with, with what EA said. I think that Kelsey will be the, the number one draft pick. I think I had a little bit of hope for um, Kelsey Mitchell coming out this year, and, and I thought she may just better into the what the Stars – are looking to do, but the stars need a guard. The stars need scoring. They have plenty of size down low. They have Mariah Jefferson to distribute the ball. Um, they need scoring from the guard position. So I, I think it's got to be Plum in the first uh, pick. Uh, I I agree. I think this. I think the even though they lost. Uh, I think that they did pick up quite a few top players in the either the trades or just in in signing players. Um, I, I mean, I think that they're still going to have a, a presence at the guard with Pondexter and, and Vandersloot. Um, I think down low, I think Boyette and, and is going to help them out at the center position. Uh, I think Dolson is going to also help them at the center position. So I think they're fine. I think the question for them is what can they add to that puzzle? And I think maybe still I would say maybe another guard or forward. And, and when I think about, you know, somebody – like uh like a Brianna Jones that could be kind of that that maybe not the big person not the Dulce not the uh, Boyette but another strong forward for them I think that might be a good pick for them um, Dallas then gets two picks in a row and I think you know I don't know what Dallas does because you know Paris plays the way that we know she can if Ariel Powers rebounds the way that we know that she can Skylar Diggins stays healthy. They're a solid team. I would say if maybe another guard for them, so I'd be looking for the wings, maybe at a Shatari Walker Kimbrough, um, just to help them out on the on the uh, guard side of things. 
Um, I, I know that they don't have a top four or top five, um, but also the Connecticut Sun need to make some improvements. And they do have three picks in the first, I believe it's the first 16. Um, so they're going to also be able to really help out their, their team that they got a, a ton of draft picks last year as well. And I think some of these players, if they slip down to the Connecticut Sun, Sun could pick up a, a great player as well. Yeah, I think my thing to watch out for is if San Antonio can pick up Kelsey Plum and Chantel Osahor. I think if you pick up that duo, and I know San Antonio needs guards, but like you said, they have Jefferson there. So think about Jefferson and Kelsey Plum. Uh, add their size that they already have. And now you add another player like Chantel Osahor who has that chemistry with Kelsey Plum. I mean, come on. Just saying. That's, that's what I'm thinking. I agree. I, I mean, I do think that that she's a solid player, but you have to remember when she goes into the WNBA, she's just another center. You know, there's so many good, taller and stronger uh, centers that I, I think she's gonna, I think she's gonna have some adjustments to be made. I well, maybe what? Yeah, go ahead, Ian. I was just gonna say I agree with Kyle on that one. I think that she was able to be dominant and um, relatively versatile for the position that she played for Washington, but I don't know that she, well, I think I do know, but um, I, I I don't think it would behoove her to rely on that as her advantage in the WNBA. So I, I almost wonder if there's um, something that she might need to refine in her repertoire to really be able to continue to play the way we've seen her play at the NCAA level or college level. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and I think I think you're right. She, you know, I think she was a, uh, a power forward in college, and she'll definitely play the center role um, in, in the W. So that's that's a great point, and I think they were a team that's iffy on my end. I, I like they had so many great pieces that they've traded away over the years, and I just I don't know if they're really trying to get good anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, the point of the game is to win the game, so yeah. I mean, True. I don't know. I think that I think that there are pieces there, and I think, like I said, this could be some another draft class that they could pick up three of the top sixteen players and add that to players that they got last year who are, are hopefully going to continue to grow and stay healthy and get better. Yeah. And I think that they're going to be a. I think that they have the potential. But, You're right. I still think there's but, other things to need. Here's here's the deal. They're gonna trade one of those players next year, and then probably two in the next in in three years, or, or one of them in three years. So then you're left with that that one star again, like trying to fight for the team to win games. I, I think they were right on the cusp last year, and that was without Morgan Tuck because she got injured late in the season. That was without Anderson got injured in the season, and these players are just young players that are gonna to continue to get better. So I, I don't, and uh, Ogumike was was injured most of the season for them last year. So, you know, they get healthy. I think that they have some pieces to to compete. And the, I I just want to entertain what Lou was saying. Uh, that I think the Connecticut Sun has had a, a series of unfortunate events. They have very young talent, very accomplished young talent that has been hurt. I think they need a, a, a veteran presence that will remain healthy. I mean, you you know, you have Kelly Frowers coming out of UConn, but even at UConn, Kelly was, you know, she's that hardworking player. She's going to, you know, 
put her head down and and lead by example and, and really unify a team in that way. But sometimes you need a veteran that's going to, you know, be a little flashy, get, get the crowd riled up, you know, get her team riled up, even sometimes get the other team riled up. And I don't know that Connecticut has that. I think that could benefit them as they are a young team. They're a young team that struggled with, um, staying healthy and and you know sometimes you need that veteran presence to ground you and not only on the court but also to you know help you learn you know the profession when it comes to recovery and being proactive and keeping your body um in peak performance uh shape good point i mean i think that i I think that you you're 100 percent correct i mean the, the oldest player that they have is, is only six years in the league. Um, totally agree with you. But I, I don't know that that's going to stay youth forever. You know what I mean? If they continue, if they're young now, but they stay together and they continue to grow up, get you know, four years from now, we could be talking about a, a very solid team that has just gotten better and better by themselves. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's what I I would like to see from Connecticut, obviously being a fan. Um, but you know, again, it's frustrating sometimes because they do. I mean, Kelsey Bone was so much fun to watch, um, and maybe I'm just bitter about that trade. But I just I think you know I was a big fan of Alyssa Thomas when she was in college. I think they don't utilize her the right way either. But that's just me talking. All right, guys, let's finish it up with our five good minutes here on MyW Sports. We had a couple of tournaments going on this weekend. Um, EA, is there anything we missed on your end? I think we covered it. Just, uh, you know, stay tuned. Um, as as Lou mentioned, he'll be at the, the WNBA draft, and we've got lots of NWSL action. New website has launched, and hopefully we'll get those deals on streaming, but we know it's NWSL on Lifetime every Saturday this season. So stay tuned for that. All right, Kyle, anything on your end? Uh, I just NCAA softball, uh, a lot of action going on. If you have the opportunity to check out either the Big Ten channel or the SEC channel, um, there's some great uh, softball going on right now. And and we've seen uh, Oregon, who held the top spot, fall down to number five. Even a top team like Auburn, who's number four right now, uh, lost a game this pretty badly to uh, Ole Miss, but, uh, you know, Florida State's still staying in that top area. Arizona's coming back up towards the top, and so is Florida, who's been a perennial powerhouse as well. Absolutely. A lot to look forward in college softball, but the NPS as well getting underway uh, in June, so look out for that and updates on YWU Sports. We had no LPGA tournament after the inspirational uh, a week off, so the next tournament will be this weekend, the Lot Championship presented by Hershey. That's in Hawaii. I would love to go to Hawaii right now. Um, no, I wouldn't. It's like 70 degrees out here. I, I love it in Boston. Never mind. Um, so, and then we had uh, WTA tennis action, the Volvo car open. Daria Casatkina, Casatkina, I'll say that again, wins the event. And then the Alberto GNP Seguros was by Anastasia Pavlichinkova. Um, so the two winners for the, uh, the WTA tournaments this past weekend. Also, we'll be returning Friday favorites this weekend. Our first story will be featuring the Stony Brook uh, women's lacrosse team with the Ole Miller sisters. Really excited about that. So stay tuned for Friday's features coming up uh, later this week. Uh, Kyle, back to you real quick. We want to get our fun fact of the weekend. So what is it? 
Sure. I should have thrown this in when we were talking about the WNBA draft, but uh, six former WNBA draft picks, number one draft picks, I mean, have gone on to be MVPs of the league, counting for 10 of the 20 WNBA regular season MVPs. The list includes Lauren Jackson, Dan Tarasi, Tina Charles, Maya Moore, and Neka Ogumake. Incredible. Incredible. So hopefully Always the love Stars the have a former MVP uh, be drafted. Absolutely. Um, and just for fun, because we used to do this here on MyW Sports, it is Monday, so if it's a little late, you're doing some work, you're in class, you're getting ready for some finals, whatever is going on, some Monday motivation. And this is by Dr. Jen Welter, coach of on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, quote, believe in the future despite the past and realize the greater the temptation to break down, the closer you are to your breakthrough. Enjoy the rest of your week. Again, follow us on MyW Sports. Uh, you can catch MyW Sports Sports Monday next Monday. Follow us on social media at MyW Sports as we bring you Monday Motivation. Top Player Tuesday, send in your nominees. Uh, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and, of course, Friday Favorites. If you have any ideas, please send us uh, – a message on social media, email us at mywsports at gmail.com or visit our website, mywsports.com, and drop us a note. Make a donation at gofundme.com forward slash mywsports. Again, for Eric Ayala, Kyle Westcott, I'm Luis Sanchez. We really appreciate you joining us. Oh, and for our special guest, Janine Van Wick of the Houston Dash, go and check out the Dash this season. Shoot her a follow. Shoot us a follow. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week, everybody, and have a great, great rest of the night.